project. We are a church. We're a gathering of people who love Jesus. We love the mission of Jesus in this world, and we want to live it out together. We're a church. We're also a project. We're an ongoing pursuit to discover what Christ originally intended for church to be. So we're a collection of house churches that meet throughout the week. We gather on Sunday, and then like the early church did, we meet needs throughout our community and our world. And so that's church project. If you've got it all figured out, then buy me a coffee after this and tell me how to do it, because we don't have it figured out. We're an ongoing pursuit to discover who Christ is and what church is. So welcome to Church Project. We're glad you're here. This is our second week of meeting in the gym. Uh, Last week, it was a little dark. You would walk in and we'd see silhouettes, so now it's a little light. Last week was a little cold. Well, there's heat here right now. We're we're figuring this out. Uh, One of the things that as we move forward, we're probably going to stay in the gym. And one of the things that looks like as we move forward is Chad Harding did the Imago today and did a great job. But Chad Harding was here last night as well with me setting up chairs and setting up speakers and all that stuff. And I just got to feel there's like there's more people at Church Project that can help set up. Am, am, do I, am I right or am I wrong? I hope, yeah, hopefully I'm right. Why are you bringing chairs in? We need more chairs? Seriously. Okay. Well, if you, if you want to help uh, set up and tear down, then please see Chad, our Imago guy today, and we'll, we want to set up a team that's going to help do this. It doesn't take long unless there's just two of you. So if, if you can come and help, that would be great. So, hey, what I want to do is I want to jump into Acts. We've been walking through the book of Acts literally for a year. This is our like 50th message. We started last October, the book of Acts, and so now we're in Acts chapter 10, We're starting in verse 9, and we're going to get through verse 16 today. So what we do is we walk through the book of Acts. We find the context of what's happening. We go verse by verse so we know the setting. But we've been doing this for a year. Isn't that exciting? I was looking back through our podcast going, wow, we've given over 50 messages in the book of Acts. So if this is your first week here, you've got a lot of homework to do. You can go and listen to 30, like 25 hours of Acts to catch up if you want, or you could just read it and join us and welcome. We're glad that you're here. I want to go ahead and start today just by reading our, our verses. Uh, so Acts chapter 10, verses 9 through 16 is what we're going to read. If you don't own a Bible or don't have a Bible, just raise your hand up in the air and we'll bring a Bible over to you. It's important to have that Bible. So Nikki needs one over here. Jared and Elijah, thank you. Acts chapter 10, starting in verse 9. Follow along. At noon the following day, as they were on their journey, he approached the city. Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice said to him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. I, pr- I pray that in these contexts of Acts 10, verses 9 through 16, you would speak to us. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be in this place, guiding us and directing us. Pray that we would see how powerful you are through this passage and how much you love us 
through this passage. It's in your name we pray, amen. Okay, raise your hand if you think you can fully expose and teach this passage. Like you can, you can give all the truths and all the nuances of it. Anyone here? Hmm. I guess I'll take it. I'll try. I'll try my best here. This is a very difficult passage as you read it. And there's a lot of pieces that a lot of theologians and a lot of commentarians have, have kind of dove in and looked at this passage. And so it's, it's complex on the surface, but once you get into, uh, into it, it actually is a really, really simple message. And I think it's a message that if we all get this today, it's going to change the way that we even live the rest of our day today. It's going to change the way that we live and pursue the rest of our week this week. Has the game ever completely changed on you? Any part of your life, you're like, I've got to figure it out, I'm in my groove, everything's looking great, going great, but then the game completely changes on you. Has that ever happened to you? You're like, "Uh uh-oh, something is wrong, I don't know what's going on. Math growing up to me (laughs) is no way the math that Zoe and Audra, my daughters, are learning. I figured this out in fifth grade when they came to me with a problem, and I'm like, ah, oh, I got it. I mean, I wasn't the best at math, but fifth grade math, come on. Like, they came to me with the fifth grade problem. I'm trying to explain it. They're looking at me like, what are you talking about? And I realized the game of math has completely changed from the time I grew up till now. So unless you're an educator and you've stayed up on math and the processes and procedures of math, there's no way you're going to know the current math and how it's being taught. So my hat's off to all educators in this room. Like, good job. You lost me at fifth grade math. I'm not smarter than a fifth grader. Okay. Sometimes things completely change because of evolution, because we just evolve as humans and, and as, as the race we evolve, our technology evolves, everything kind of grows. So some things, sometimes things uh, change through evolution. Sometimes things completely change because God just simply ordains it to change. Like things just happen, and there's no control that we have over the change. Sometimes the game is completely changed, and we don't even know why or how it has changed. Church, we need to be careful to not put up definitive fences around our lives. And what I mean by that, definitive fences of this, like I will never, have you ever found yourself saying this? I will never do this, definitive fence around your life. That means you're probably moving to Mexico if you're me. That means you're probably gonna be used to start a church one day. I said, I said well, I would never start a church. I will never move to Mexico. Have you ever had I will nevers in your life that, Somehow it just happens to be that that's the thing that's happening in your life. We need to be careful about the definitive fences that we put up around our lives. We even need to be careful about the good intentional fences that we put around our lives. I will never, I will never cheat on my spouse. I will never never take cash off the top of that deal. Peter, in this passage, I will never eat meat. Like there's things in our lives that, that God has said, do this and follow my ways and my precepts, and, and we should absolutely build fences around them. We should say, I will never cheat on my spouse, but don't you ever think, don't you ever think that you're beyond that. Like Satan can come in and he can deceive and he can destroy and we have to be on our guard that the things that the the Bible teaches us about how we should live our lives will say, God, please help me never cheat on my spouse. As we approach life, what do you do 
when the game completely changes on you. As, as Peter happens in, in this passage, we'll begin to look at. What do you do when life circumstances or events in your life completely change the game and everything that you know is rearranged because of a, a diagnosis by a doctor, because of a passing of a loved one, because of whatever it may be? What do you do when life completely changes and it, we're in a new game? Life has a way of humbling us, doesn't it? It has a way of humbling us. I don't make a big deal about hitting curbs anymore, and I've said this before, but it's the best example I can think in my life. Like my poor wife, I would say five years ago, she, she would hit curbs in our car, and I would be like, why? Like, why are you hitting curbs? Like, stop, can't you see a curb? Like, you're not supposed to hit it. Like, don't, don't. I make a big deal about it, right? Until the day I smashed a curb, so hard that it like hurt our tire and I was humbled instantly. And I think honestly, from that point forward, I was thinking this morning, I don't think she's hit curbs anymore, but I've hit a lot of curbs. Life has a way of humbling us, um, giving us a piece of humble pie, if you would. And we're, trying to, we're trying to figure something out. We think we got it. We think we're on top of our game, and then we get a piece of humble pie, or the game completely changes. The longer I live, the more I am reminded that God is God, and I am not. God is God. He's in control. The game can change on us. We're not God. He is in control. His mercies are new every morning, and his ways are higher than my ways. Would you say amen to that church? Because sometimes things happen in our life and we don't know why. It's important for us to, as Christians, especially as we look at this passage today, to keep the main thing the main thing. My father, he's here today, Tom and Debbie Havens. Um, thank you for coming. With grandpa and a whole row of Havens celebrating Bill's 70th birthday today. So we got a whole lot of Havens over here. Tomorrow. Sorry, tomorrow. Tomorrow. It's been a birthday weekend, so welcome. Glad you're here. My dad texted me uh, earlier this week, and it was one of those spot-on texts that you get, and you're like, whoa, like perfect timing. And he texted me Psalms 119.93. Psalms 119.93 says this, I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have preserved my life. I will never forget your precepts, your teaching, your ways, God. For by them, you have preserved my life. So when we follow God and we follow his teaching and we, and we follow the ways of, of the Lord in our life and the Holy Spirit's guiding in our life, things can change. The game can change around us as we're gonna look at in Peter. But the main thing is God is God and we are not God. Our job is to have a relationship with him and to follow his precepts because those are the only things that are gonna preserve our lives. When we start chasing the things of the world, or when we start building up fences of stubbornness that says, I'm never going to change, and God, this is the way it's going to be, we begin to walk a decaying, slowing, dying road. So let's look at this passage again. With that in mind, Peter, the game is completely changing before his eyes in some pretty cool ways. Think about it as we read this, how the game in your life has changed multiple times, okay? Verse 9, about noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. 
He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. Look at verse 9. So the story leading up to verse 9 is Cornelius was, was a man that in the previous verses, if you want to look at it, I would encourage you today, if you don't know it, to read the story. In the previous verses, God had told him to go retrieve Peter through a vision of an angel. And so Cornelius sent two men to go retrieve Peter. Now Cornelius, the guy that we just read about a few verses earlier, was a God-fearing Gentile. Okay, he was not Jewish. He was a God-fearing Gentile. And spending time with a Jewish person for Cornelius was not a problem for him. Not a problem. Gentiles could spend time with Jewish people, not a problem. However, entering the dwelling place of a Gentile was a huge problem for an Orthodox Jew, which Peter was. It made you unclean. Peter needed God to intervene. So already, before the story even begins, God is speaking to Cornelius to go get Peter and bring him to his house, and already God knows that Peter needs to begin changing because of the fact that him even entering Cornelius' house would be something that he would never, ever do. It would make him unclean. The game is already changing in front of Peter. We know that Peter, as we look at this, is a devout, uh, uh, he's devout because good Jews prayed in the morning and the night. If you were a good Jewish person, you would pray in the morning and the night. We see Peter, what time is it when he goes to the house on the roof in our passage? It's at noon. So we know that he is devout because not only is he praying in the morning and praying in the night, he's going at noon to go on top of the house to pray. We see that in verse 9. Now let's get to verse 10. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. Let's look at 11 and 12. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. This word trance, if you look it up in the original language, trance is ecstasis, ecstasis, whatever, okay? Which is where we get the, the word ecstasy, okay? And so this word trance, it literally means standing outside or being put outside or change of place. So I can relate how Peter was put into a trance because he was hangry. You get that? You see that? Like, like, look at this. Okay, I mean, uh, in in verse 10, he became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while Mia was being prepared, he fell into a trance. Any of you get there? You're like, I'm hangry. I'm about to just go off. It's a Snickers, you know, commercial. You're not the same when you're hungry. Like, okay, so I get that. He's hungry. He's up at noon. He's praying on top of the house. He falls into a trance. God is already moving in his life. We get down to verse 13. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. From Malachi in your Bible, if you would, just just open it, go through it, about halfway through it, you get to the end of the Old Testament, which is Malachi. 
And between Malachi and between the New Testament is an intertestamental period. And during this time, between Malachi and the New Testament period, there was no authoritative voice for the Jewish people. There was no Moses, there was no one going before them, and they were the authoritative voice from the Lord to the people. There was no one between Malachi and New Testament. They depended on something known as bath coal, which is the voice of God. They depended upon the time when God would show up or angels would show up and they would say stuff like this or do stuff like this. That's what the Jewish people were depending upon in this time because there was no authoritative voice. So for Peter, when this happens, I wonder if he's on the roof, he's, getting, he's, he's put into a chance and he realizes that this is the voice of God saying something that he needs to pay attention to during this time. This is not foreign to him. And we get to verse 14. After, after the angel, uh, the voice of God spoke to him in verse 13, we get to verse 14. It says, surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. Peter um, has observed. We know he's devout. He prays morning, noon, and night. Not only that, he has observed every Old Testament ceremonial law that you have to follow if you're a good, devout, orthodox Jewish person at this time. And if you wonder what those are, just just look at Leviticus chapter 11. And here's the rules that you have to follow, how you have to prepare food, what you can eat, what you cannot eat. And he's devout. And in this passage, he's saying, when, when, when the voice of God is telling him to eat all these animals, he's saying, surely not. I've never done that. Do you get the heart of Peter now? Do you see that this man is devout? He's focused on who God is. And he knew that because of the Old Testament ceremonial food laws, that he could not eat anything unclean. And even the things that were clean, that was allowed for him to eat, according to Leviticus chapter 11, they had to be prepared, ritually prepared in a certain way. So you thought making dinner now was hard. There are no minute rice back then, like... Even the food that you could clean, you had to go about it very ritualistically. Is that a word? You get what I'm saying. So we see that in verse 14. Then we get, then we get to uh, verse 15. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And in verse 16, this happens three times. And immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. Three times. I mean, you would think, I mean, he's in a trance, he's hangry. The voice of God speaking to him, you would think that's odd enough that if God says something, you're like, yes, sir, I got it. Like, wonderful. Like, this happens three times that God has to say that. Three times is, is very significant. If you're into numerology and studying numbers in the Bible and revelations and what, seven rows of seven and three sections. By the way, you're sitting in seven rows of seven chairs, three sections. Your numerology, bud, that's awesome. Like, seven, 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 welcome to church. Okay, we, I, got, I derailed. I'm sorry, I'll come back. Okay, three times Jesus prayed in the garden. Three times he prayed, Father, take this cup from me in the garden. Okay, three times on the beach, Peter is restored. Simon, do you love me? Simon, do you love me? Simon, do you love me? Three times. Paul Three times in praying that the thorn would be removed from his flesh, from his side. He prays three times to God for, to remove the thorn from his side in his flesh. 
And even in the Hebrew language, emphasis is added in its poetry. In the beautiful language of, of the Hebrew language, emphasis is added by repeating, holy, holy, holy. It's a very poetic language. And repeating is a very, very good thing that happens. So in this case, I believe that when God, the voice of God was speaking to Peter, he was speaking to him on multiple realms. He was, he was repeating for emphasis. He was saying, holy, 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 pay attention. This is like a biblical slap in the face by God. Like, I mean what I'm saying right here. And in this case, I believe it shows Peter his unbelief of what God was telling him. You want me to do what? Eat pork? You want me to do what? Like, the game is completely changing. And I think God completely tells him and repeats it three different times, not only because of Peter's unbelief, but because his misunderstanding. God, I might have wax in my ear. I don't know what you're saying. Are you seriously telling me you want me to do this? Are you seriously telling me you want me to move? Are you seriously telling me that I can eat this? God, are you serious? And God says, holy, holy, holy. I'm serious. Everything you know is changing. And in our lives, everything we know sometimes changes, doesn't it? How we see God, how he interacts with us, everything about him changes. He's a God that never changes. Don't misquote me. He's a God that never changes, but he's a God that is new every morning. Mercies are new every morning. He knows your circumstances. He knows everything about you. How many times does God have to speak to you and me before we get it? And maybe as you're sitting here right now, the Holy Spirit's even convicting you or encouraging you or showing you something. He's like, listen, I've told you this three times, four times, five times. When are you going to listen? When are you going to obey? When are you going to realize that my precepts, that's the only way to life if you're following me and my word? Like, when are you going to get it? And maybe as we sit here right now, God is actually speaking to us. He's showing us something beautiful that he wants us to change or do or rearrange. The question is, how many times does he have to speak before we get it? Oftentimes for me, he has to hit me on the side of the head. You know, I I just, I'm not getting it, God. So he'll hit me on the side of the head, just lovingly, till my ears ring. What has God shown you multiple times? And I would encourage you this right now. If, if, if God and the Holy Spirit's kind of showing you something that needs to change or rearrange or you need to do, and you know it in this place right now, no more excuses. No more. I'm not here to convict. I'm here to just ask a beautiful question. If he's moving you in your life, would you get up immediately and do the thing that he's saying? Would you change the thing in your life to, to line your life with the way of the Lord? Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Remember that a year ago when we were talking about that? It's a long time ago. We said Acts chapter 1, verse 8 is the cliff note version of the whole book of Acts. So we could have given one message for the book of Acts, and this would have been done a long time ago. But no, Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in Judea, and in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Acts, the whole book of Acts, is the Holy Spirit moving in his people to do incredible, amazing things. But we knew in Acts Acts chapter 1, verse 8, that this message just wasn't for the Jewish people. 
It's for the Gentiles, it's from this region, and it's for Greeley, Colorado. It's for us in 2017. So Peter, as he's getting this vision, within the framework of this vision, and I read this from a commentarian, and and if you're reading commentaries, uh, this is F.F. Bruce. He's a fantastic commentarian. He goes through verse by verse. He's brilliant. Some things I don't understand, but if you would like it, F.F. Bruce says this about, about this passage. Within the framework of the vision, it is food that God has cleansed by demonically pronouncing, demonically, whoa, that's, I misspelled that, (laughs) by by pronouncing, wow, sorry, Bruce, But but in the wider narrative, it is the men and women, even Gentiles, those whose hearts he has cleansed by faith. So what he's saying right here is in this vision, he said that you can eat all this food. I've cleansed it all. But the greater message that he's even given right now, and we'll continue to see it through the rest of the book of Acts as we go through this, is that he's cleansed everyone, Jews and Gentiles, men and women, this region and that region. This message is for everyone. And this is what Peter's getting right here. Every male on earth, I guarantee when this message was given, every male on earth that were Gentiles were super excited because they didn't have to be Jewish proselytes and get circumcised to, to, to get God anymore, right? Like, everything changed at this point. It wasn't about the law anymore. It wasn't about keeping these statues exactly the way it's supposed to be, but it's this love message that Jesus ushered into the book of Acts that the early church, God-fearing and and solid men and women that are dedicated, praying morning, noon, and night are just starting to get the message that this is for everyone. And it begins to break out. We begin to see incredible things happen as we march through the rest of the book of Acts. Jesus came to teach this new message. And this is a new way of thinking. It changes everything from the way that the early disciples had seen it and understood it, and especially for the Jewish people. Some of us need to let go of some of the pious actions that we do in our life that makes us look Christian and sound Christian and feel Christian, but it does nothing more than puff us up. Make us arrogant and full of pride. Who knows what God is up to in our life? If it's good things, if it's bad things that we're, that we're, that we're living and we're processing and going through, we know this, that our job is to keep close to the heart of God and to follow his precepts because they lead to life. And as the game changes, some things that we can't even understand or control, we know that God is good and he's in control. Amen? Church, this is going to be a fantastic week as we hold our lives a little more loosely. (laughs) And we let God control every aspect of our life. And tomorrow morning, when we find that something has changed that we didn't know, or something else has happened that we didn't foresee, the game begins to change on us, We know that there's one thing in our life that doesn't change, God, and his love for us and his consistency for the world. He ushers in hope, and he says, I've cleansed everything for you. I've chased after your heart. I've given you a way to be clean, and that's calling on my name 
and being baptized in my name, and you shall be saved. I think a good way to end today would be to hold our lives loosely, trust God in whatever circumstance it is, and as the game changes, make this our prayer. And our prayer being this, Matthew 6, 9. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgetting, forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Church, let's stand and make this our prayer today. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on on earth as it is in heaven. God, we pray that even this week as things change in our life, that it's your will be done, not ours, not our tradition, not the things that we do to feel good about ourselves, not the things that we're accumulating, not the things of this world. God, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. God, today we trust you that you would provide all of our needs, our physical needs, our emotional needs, our spiritual needs, our relational needs, every need that we have. God, please give us that daily bread so that pain we're walking through today, we know you're gonna meet us and you're gonna give us everything that we need to walk through that pain. And as the game changes, you've given us everything that we need to walk through that game-changing thing. God, forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. God, the greatest debt that you can forgive us of is sin. You sent your son to die on the cross for our sins. And you forgave our greatest debt that separated us from the loving loving relationship of your father. So God, I pray over this room today that if there's anyone that has not accepted the forgiveness of their sin, they have not said, I am a sinner and I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, that today would be the day that they would accept that free gift. That they would say, God, I'm tired of living life on my own. I give you control of my life. Please show me who you are and show me who I am in you. And God, as you forgave us our big debt, may we forget, may, may, may we forgive those that have, that have wronged us. May we show love and grace to everyone around us. Whether they, we agree with their actions or not, may we approach others the way you approach us with much grace and much love. May we not be a people known for what we're against. May we be a people known for what we're for. God, let us love like you love us. And God, your prayer, you you ask us to pray that you would 
lead us not into temptation, but let deliver us from the evil one. And I pray that over us this week. God, any way that we in our own lives have been pushing the line a little bit, you know, watching that thing that we shouldn't watch or saying that thing or playing with fire, God, would you, would you let us search our hearts and minds and pull us into your precepts? Let us align our lives with you. Let us flee from temptation and draw near to you. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Church, let me pray a blessing over you today. Would you receive this? Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray over your people. Pray that you would bless them and keep them. Make your face shine upon them. Be gracious to them. I pray that you would give them your peace and that your kingdom would come and your perfect will would be done as, it, as on earth as it is in heaven. And all God's people said,